Welcome back to Global Nomad Hacks. Today, I am super excited to introduce you to one of my absolute favorite people, Alden Forbes, who happens to be my niece, but she is quite the global adventurer. And today, I want to hear a lot more about her experience. She took a gap year and she traveled around the world, and she's got all kinds of great stories to share with us today. Welcome, Alden. Hi, Aunt Heidi. Thank you for having me. (laughs) This is such a treat. And I think what's really important for us to think about when we think about global nomads, it's not a particular generational thing. And I think your generation really looks at the world from a completely different perspective. And so I'm really excited to have you on today to hear a little bit more about some of your adventures, but also how it might have changed your perspective on the world and where you see yourself going in the future. Can you, I guess, to give a little bit of a background, can you tell our folks a little bit about where you went and what you experienced? Yeah, totally. So I, I started in Asia. I traveled for a total of nine months. And I traveled solo. I traveled, I started off with a program called Where There Be Dragons. And I traveled with friends. So I had all different types of experiences in all different types of places as well. I started in Asia with a program, like I said, and I was doing mostly homestay family. Um, I was staying with a lot of homestay families. I stayed in a Buddhist monastery for a little while. So that really gave me a very cultural perspective and gave me a lot of context of how to travel, not only safely, but also respectfully and how to you know, pay attention to what my implications on the places that I'm traveling to are, which was a very helpful starting point for me. And after the program ended, I did a lot of workaways, which is basically, it was a way for me to both experience things that were different from just traveling and taking, but also giving back. And so it's basically, and also it saved me money, but it's basically you work in exchange for room and board. So I stayed after directly after my program, I traveled by myself to Thailand and went to this tiny village outside of Chiang Mai. It's a Buddhist village and there's this program that offers free after-school English class to any of the village kids and so I volunteered as one of the tutors and lived there for about 3 weeks and yeah, so I did a few of those. I did a farm's day. I did another teaching experience with Workaway, which was just, it, it was a really awesome experience. And then I also was staying in hostels for while I wasn't in Workaways. So I had a, a variety of experiences and they, and I went to South America after, after Asia. So we'll get into South America too, but I want to, I think one thing that's, that a lot of people think to go travel the world, you have to be rich. And I Mm -hmm. think one of the things that I loved about your approach to your trip was you saved money doing Spanish camps in the summer and you Mm -hmm. did all these different things. And then amazingly enough, you finished nine months of travel and you actually came home with money in your pocket, which I think is, is something that is really profound for you know, that's an incredible experience that you did. Can you talk a little bit about sort of your thinking behind that and how that worked and, you know, just your experience with how that felt to be financing it yourself and, and what that meant? 
Yeah, totally. It was it was very empowering actually. I funded the almost the entire trip by myself with some help for like my birthday present was my flight to Asia from my parents and so I had some help like that, but the rest I did completely myself. I funded food, I funded housing, any activity and I got creative as an 18-year-old solo traveler with ways to save money like workaways or hitchhiking things like that and it was it, it just felt very good that I was doing it by my own means and curating my own experience yeah so i think a lot of people their first question when i tell them what i did is how did you pay for that or oh that that's a very much coming from a place of privilege and um they're surprised when they hear that i funded it myself and I always tell anybody who comes to me about taking a gap year is that it's very possible to do with a very low budget. And yeah. Well, kudos to you. I think you, I mean, you really sort of set the bar as to what can be accomplished and how it can be accomplished where you really sort of, you were able to experience a very wide range of different experiences, different places, even different continents. And, mm-hmm. and do it with, you know, with modest means that you had accumulated yourself. So that's an, a pretty incredible accomplishment. And I'm so proud of you for doing that. And I think it really sets an example also of sort of the future of what education means and sort of understanding what a global citizen means. And in the context of this show, we really talk a lot about, we want to know more about what does it mean to be a global citizen and how can we as individuals become a better part of this world and sort of as I guess uh, you're coming from a similar upbringing as mine being my niece and that Mm -hmm. we're really taught to leave everywhere we visit in better state than when we arrived. So what does that mean to you in terms of being a global citizen and how might that of your experience as a gap year have uh, sort of fed that? Yeah. Um, I thought a lot about this actually throughout the whole year. I think part of the biggest the biggest piece of this for me was always maintaining awareness of who I am, where I'm coming from, and what I'm giving or getting from whichever community or country I was in, and really trying to maintain a balance between giving and taking, which is very hard as a traveler because I mean, especially in hostels, it's a lot of people, teenagers or young adults coming and traveling and wanting to party or wanting just to meet new friends, which is one of the things that I, meeting new people is one of the things I love most about travel. But for me, it's also so much about learning. And so I think maintaining a give and take when you're traveling is always super important. And that is one of the biggest pieces of being a global citizen to me. And something that I tried to be aware of the entire time. I love that. And I think one of the things that is such a gift that you bring is your music. And Mm -hmm. I'm curious, because music is such a unique thing across different cultures, but it also is something that really unifies people. Yeah. What was your experience in sort of, you know, from a music perspective of how that open doors to you or or maybe made connections for you in a different way. Yeah, this is actually music was such a huge piece of the gap year for me and it was a huge piece of my life 
pre-gap year. And so I, I struggled actually at first with trying to find ways to keep up my musical experiences and, and practice and perform even. And it was definitely hard at first to find ways to do that while being nomadic and constantly traveling. But I found that as I was traveling, it was the one thing that would unite me to other people without even words. There was this one time I was in Colombia in the mountains. I was at this little hostel and I was alone at the time. And I had bought a ukulele when I went to Buenos Aires because I found that I just really, really wanted a musical instrument with me constantly and having access to that made me a lot happier. And I was playing ukulele on a bench in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. And this man came up, he was probably 25 years old, and he came up with a set of bongos and just started playing with me. And we played for about 20 minutes before we even said a single word to each other. And then he later introduced himself to me and we we hung out and we played Jenga that night with in our hostel. But that wasn't a rare experience. And I'm really, really grateful that music was able to give me that while I was traveling and to be such a unifying factor. I love that. And I had a very similar experience in when I did my early travels as a study abroad where I had my guitar with me. And, you know, when I was running low on cash, I would go out and busk. And it was you know, it was it was amazing to be, you know, in the middle of a foreign country and you pull out your guitar and the people that either gather to listen or the people that come and bring their own instruments or join in with their own voices. There's something really powerful about music and how that unites. So I'm so glad that uh, you were able to find that ukulele and find a way to express your music while you were traveling. What are some of your favorite places? You went, obviously, you, you went into South America as well. How did you find that different? I mean, obviously, you speak Spanish from doing mm-hmm. your Spanish camp, and your mother had also done a lot of work in Spain, mm-hmm. which had brought you there a couple times before. How did you find, besides the, the language piece, the difference between your Asian travels and your South American travels? Yeah, this... I actually thought about this a lot just because as soon as I got to South America, it felt so different and it it just became a completely different experience. The things I was doing were different. Places I was were obviously very different. The language barrier in Asia definitely posed as a difficulty in terms of connecting to culture and being able to converse with people or ask. I had some very special moments because of language barriers, actually. Like I was in Thailand alone and was trying to do my laundry somewhere because I had not done laundry in a very long time. And I found this man who had a laundry machine and he didn't speak English, but we ended up just sort of sitting together and semi-conversing through charades and laughter. And it was... really lifted my spirits and was such a cool experience that I'll always remember. And I had similar experiences in South America, but they were different outcomes because I could converse and speak the language. I wouldn't say that one is more valuable than the other, but it was definitely very different and easier to understand the culture more in South America, I think. 
Interesting. And then you also have with your your experience with I believe you were you teaching Spanish in Barcelona? Am I remember remembering that correctly? Or were you studying Spanish in Barcelona? I was in I was semi teaching it. It was more of a I was giving kids immersion. So oh. I wasn't giving lessons, but rather just conversing with kids and in order to teach. So my, my question with that was really more less about the teaching, but the, the piece mm-hmm. of the culture, despite the fact that they speak the same language, you have European Spanish and the Spanish mm-hmm. culture, and then you have South American Spanish and the, the I guess it's Hispanic culture because they speak Spanish, yeah. but they're not Spanish. So what was your experience there? And, and sort of how did that, you know, how, how does that feel for you coming back and speaking Spanish now in the States? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing is that it was very important for me to learn about history in all of the places that I was. And so when I was in Uruguay, I was really diving into the history of the Spanish colonizers and the Italian colonizers and how everything happened. And I would talk to the locals and talk to anybody that I met. And that's something that was very present in South America and much less in Spain. And I find that Spain, I mean, Spain is much more of a Western, Westernized country. They have many similar life, they have a similar lifestyle than we do in a lot of places. And South America is much less Western, obviously. And so the contrast there was just stark. But yeah, it they're definitely completely different places that it was hard even for me to compare them. Even different countries within South America are almost incomparable because they're so different. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's it's fascinating to me and even just the subtleties in the type of Spanish. I mean, yeah. we hear that obviously in English, there's, you know, there's definitely English dialects that are really hard to understand for us with our dialect. But it's fascinating to see the breadth of the Spanish language when you move yeah. between those two places. And I really, was, yeah, go ahead. It was fun to be able to sort of laugh about it too. I remember the in Argentina, they speak completely different Spanish than they do in many other places. And the accent, it took me so long to get used to, but it was a bonding experience with locals, with other foreign Spanish speakers to just bond over the fact that we had no idea what they were saying, even though we spoke the language. So it became it became a way to connect even without conversing. So for, I mean, you obviously, you came back after doing a gap year, and it sounds to me, from what you were telling me, a lot of your peers also took gap years. What? Mm-hmm. And now, and, and I don't know whether they were international or whether they did them locally, but do you find that there's more of a movement towards your generation taking gap years and, you know, having these, you know, different adventures? And what kinds of things do you think we should be thinking about or we should be recommending to peers when they ask about that for their kids? Yeah, I think it depends on the group that you're in and the social scene that you're in, for sure. Uh, Probably half of my friends took gap years, which I believe is rare, but because of the circle that I'm immersed in, that was the case. And I think there is definitely a larger movement to take gap years. I mean, I go to Brown now and I got there and there was a huge group of gap year kids from just in my class. And it's definitely a very big community, which I found helpful and 
just it, it helped a lot in the transition back to school and just to be able to relate to all of my friends. One thing that is tricky is that, or not tricky, but just interesting is that everyone does gap years completely differently. So my core friend group, there are four of us and all four of us took gap years and all four of us did completely different things. One, one of my friends, she went to Spain and was an au pair for a little while and then later worked on a sustainable fashion company in Madrid. And she was more, she stayed in place more and another friend worked at a dive shop in Indonesia and then traveled around. So we all did completely different things and got, and therefore got different things out of it, but we're able to still connect on a more basic level of we're taking this year off and finding new things out about ourselves and, and about the world and gaining new perspectives. And what does that mean for us moving forward? So yeah, I think any way you do a gap year, it's going to advance your perspective on life, on yourself, on how your brain works. Even it was, it is a very, very interesting experience for anyone who does it in whatever form. Well, absolutely. And I think you touched on it a little bit, but I think one of the things that that a lot of people experience when they live abroad or they travel extensively for a longer period of time is that sort of repatriation when you come back. That can be a very difficult Mm -hmm. transition and you tend to gravitate towards other people who have had a similar experience in sort of that repatriation thing, where they went may not have been as relevant. It's more sort of the, the coming back into the norm or whatever that home space is. Did you find that that was a challenging experience for you to sort of come back to same old, same old? Or Yeah, I definitely found it challenging at first, even just with my close family. I mean, one thing that was very hard for me to grasp is that I'm never going to be able to explain, fully explain my experience to anybody unless they were with me. And I can tell stories, I can give anecdotes, I can give bigger picture things, I can tell people what I've learned, but it's very hard and made me feel a little bit distant from friends and family that because I didn't have a way to explain to them how I was changed and what made that change. So that was a, the hardest thing I think for me, but it was it made it easier that I could connect with people who had taken gap years. And then upon arriving at school, there was this whole community of gap year kids. And, and even without the community of gap year kids, I found myself finding these gap year kids naturally. I would meet someone and then be friends with them and a week later learn that they they also took a gap year and did a completely different thing, but that my inner circle actually just so happened to be kids who had all taken gap years by chance, which is very interesting. So it was definitely a hard adjustment to come back, but ended up serving me well. Absolutely. And I mean, so I wonder, did it also make you gravitate towards the international student community as well? Or I'm not sure what how Brown is is formulated in that, but a lot of them mm-hmm. tend to have sort of, you know, an international club or something that's for all the international students. And I found, for me anyway, that when I did go back, I sort of sought out that group because I was just yeah. craving the sort of the diverse experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think Brown 
is pretty diverse in itself, which doesn't mean that I didn't seek it out, but I think I think I, I found it more naturally than having to actively seek that out. But had I not, I think I really would have wanted to. But a lot of my friends come from various backgrounds and international or, you know, had taken gap years, as I said before. And so I think I found that within the first couple of weeks without even having to try, but but that I would have, I would have looked for it if I hadn't. Nice. Nice. I think, I mean, it's just, I think it's such a, a wonderful experience and I'm so glad that you took the time to do that. I'm curious where you plan to go next and do you ever think that you <laughs> might live abroad at some point? Yeah. So I really loved, I loved everywhere that I went, but I really felt a strong connection to South America, specifically Northern South America, countries like Ecuador and Colombia. I just fell in love with the people and the places. And I I brainstormed a lot of different, quote unquote, phases that I want or chapters that I want in life. But one of my biggest goals right now, post-college, which is, you know, three years away, but I've been thinking about it a lot is opening up a some type of theater company in one of those countries that gives kids access and adults but I think I would like to gear it more towards kids that gives them access to the arts in a way that they don't have. So some some type of nonprofit organization or something. It's a big dream, but <laughs> it's what I've been thinking about a lot these days and would love to explore because that was one of the, I noticed a lot that the kids didn't have access to the arts as nearly as much as they did in a country like America. Well, I love that. And I'm sure that that's partially fed by the projects that you used to do or the trips that you used to Mm do with your family. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think that's uh, worth sharing as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we grew up going to this little island called Dominica, which is in the West Indies. It's different than the Dominican Republic. And we it started as just travel. My parents fell in love with the place and then my sister and I fell in love with the place. But after a while we started going for longer chunks of time in the in the middle of winter and my sister and I would go to school there. And which was obviously an incredibly different experience than school in New Hampshire. We were the only the only non-local kids at the school. And our teachers were very, you know, it it just, it was a very different culture inside the school. And, but one of the big things that we noticed was that the kids didn't have books and they didn't have pencils or school supplies to actively engage with their educations. And so sometimes education came second because, partly because they didn't have the resources to fully dive into their education. And so we, started this project where every time we went, we would bring over buckets and buckets of books and we would fill our suitcases with them and we would start book drives locally. And we ended up shipping over just huge, huge amounts of books and started a library in the local school that my sister and I went to. And it's still there today. They A few years ago, they got hit by Hurricane Maria and it unfortunately destroyed a lot of infrastructure within the community within the island but 
the library still stands. So Yay. that's, I spent a large chunk of my childhood in Dominica and a lot of my friends are the local kids there. And that definitely shaped me so much as a human being and just instilled in me such a sense of curiosity for the world and, and how it works because I saw that there were different ways of living from a very young age. I love that. And I think it was really a powerful kudos to your parents, my brother yeah. being one of them. So I'm very proud of him mm-hmm. for the work that they did there. And they, you guys continue to do because I guess you guys went back recently, which must have been really powerful to go back after being gone for a while. But I think it's amazing how that has obviously shaped sort of your path in life. And it'll be amazing to see where you take that. One of the things I want to circle back on, because I know we talked a little bit about your music, but I know it's something that you are continuing to pursue. And obviously, that is a a wonderful channel to reach global audiences as well as your local audiences. Can you tell our guests a little bit about what you're doing with your music? So at Brown, the music community is very huge, and I've loved, loved, loved exploring it. And so I'm in an acapella group called the Jabberwocks of Brown University. And that has been such a great creative outlet for sharing music, for collaborating on music. And it's given me just such a community at Brown, which I've loved to have as a foundation. But I also have a band who are called Falling Walrus. And it started just because so many of my friends loved music and were very talented musicians. And I just sort of pulled together seven of them and said, let's start a band. And it ended up, we play gigs around the school and we're pretty active in other ways. And we just love playing music together. And it's been such a source of love and laughter at Brown. So that's what I'm doing right now. I did a lot of theater in the past. So that was more of my creative outlet in high school. But I've loved transitioning to more singer-songwriter or band or acapella. So I love that. And for those of you listening who are curious about Falling Walrus, even in quarantine, they've been able to produce some (laughs) great stuff. I noticed you guys posted some stuff. So we'll make sure that we put that in the show notes. But I think that's something that's worth mentioning, because it's one of those, even though you guys may not be internationally, everybody is in quarantine right now when this is taping. And you know, people think, oh, well, how am I going to, how am I going to connect with my friends? And you could connect with your, your fellow drummer in South America or whatever it is, but the, the beauty of technology to be able to do some collaborations, I think it's, it's really exciting and it's a beautiful thing that you guys have created and uh, look forward to hearing more of it. Absolutely. Uh, can you tell people how they can find both the, the acapella group and Falling Walrus if they're curious to listen to more? Yeah, so Falling Walrus is on Instagram. It's a fairly new account, but we are pretty active. Our the username's fallingwalrus.jpg. And that's on Instagram. We're not on Facebook yet, but we're working on it. And my acapella group is called the Jabberwocks of Brown University. We just actually released an album on Spotify. They made a transition this year from an all-male group to all-gender group, all-inclusive which is a huge transition and I'm really happy to be a part of it. So that's a very hot topic in the social networks of the Jabberwocks right now. That's mainly how to find those two 
organizations. Awesome. But. So Jabberwocks on Spotify and fallingwalrus.jpg on Instagram. Is that correct? Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Alden. Is there any other words of wisdom you care to share with our global nomads about survival skills on the road or taking a gap year before we sign off? I always tell people when they're asking me about taking gap years or when parents approach me about how it went, that every single time I would tell people what I was doing before I left, the first thing that they would say was be careful, which I thought was very interesting because I wouldn't have been greeted with the same reaction if I had told someone that I was traveling solo to New York City, which arguably is just as just as dangerous for a solo female 18-year-old. So I think just keeping an open mind about the realities in a lot of the different countries and how to be a safe traveler and that it's not that I made it out and <laughs> did make some arguably risky moves as well. And they only bettered me and broadened my perspective. So I would say that even if you're worried about possible dangers, there's a way to avoid it while still interacting with communities and keeping an open mind. Good for you. I think that's an awesome words of wisdom there. And thank you <laughs> so much. It's such a treat to see you. I don't get to see you nearly enough. So we'll just have to zoom more <laughs> often. Anyway, it was a great excuse to have a nice conversation with you. And thank you for joining us. Thank you, global nomads out there for joining us today. And if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. We enjoyed having you on the show today and uh, would love your feedback if you think of anything else you'd like to hear about on our new show. Until next time. Bye bye for now.